0: What's up, guys? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I create a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission based people, brands, and businesses thrive. So, if you have a new idea, project, or business that you're working on and you're feeling a little bit stuck, I'd love to help you or connect you with somebody that can. And today's guest, Mr. Dr. Aaron Hind, can definitely help you with that. He's an ex sports chiropractor turned what I would consider a serial entrepreneur today with all the products that he has under Life Aid and Fit Aid. And one of the things that connected me with him the most was his abundant mindset. And it's something I think everybody out there should be continuously learning with and to utilize throughout their entire lives. And he's a great representation of that. And I'd love to just kick it off with understanding more about what it was in your life that created a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset and how you're utilizing that today to grow not only yourself, but your brand.
1: Yeah, CJ, thanks for having me on. And a uh, great question. You know, mindset is really the foundation of your entire life's trajectory it really starts with your mindset and some of your listeners may be familiar with the term abracadabra that we're all have heard uh, in our youth uh, that magicians use before they do a magic trick abracadabra well if you actually trace the origins of that word it's aramaic so going back to times of jesus and what it translates to is with my words i create with my words i create and i don't speak aramaic but if i did i'll bet the true translation is even deeper than that with my thoughts i create with my thoughts i create so it was interesting because i was a high income earner for a long time but i very much had a scarcity mindset that i've been able to recognize in in some reflection and retrospect and it caused me to literally go bankrupt it caused me to literally go bankrupt 10 years ago And in kind of the depths of despair and and pity party, I had a major shift in my life where I began to practice an abundance mindset. And even though I was then broke and wasn't the high income earner anymore, I started to build massive abundance in all aspects of my life. So the shift can happen. And it's a major paradigm shift. And I'll just back up a little bit. A lot of you know, what? those repetitive thoughts that go on in our mind, whether those are thoughts of abundance or thoughts of scarcity, a lot of that is programmed between zero and seven years old. When we're born, we're just growing up and we're in download mode. So I had kind of a split paradigm growing up because my father came from a major abundance mindset. You know, the sky's the limit. There's, you know, just you know, the, the sayings that he had and has we're always very much associated with abundance where my mother had a, the opposite you know money doesn't grow on trees right i mean we've all heard that before it actually does grow on trees it's paper <laughs> which comes from trees or it comes out of thin air as well because uh, as uh, we just uh, have all experienced here in the us the federal reserve just pumped you know, a couple trillion dollars out of thin air into the uh, into the economy so it does grow on trees but that belief system that we grow up with between zero and seven starts to drive our thoughts those repetitive thoughts that occur in our mind and those thoughts become our words our words become our actions over time and those actions over time equal results and whatever results we get in life start to reinforce a belief system and the cycle repeats okay so this cycle is either spiraling our lives in a positive direction so imagine you know this kind of a helix going in an upward cycle which is towards abundance or it's spiraling in a downward cycle towards scarcity and I'm not just talking about financial abundance I'm talking about abundance and scarcity in all aspects of life if you find that you're you know having conflict at work or with your business partner and you really examine it, a lot of times it's coming, it's very ego-driven. I'm not getting the recognition I deserve. I'm not blah, 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 whatever it is, right? Well, what is the ego? The ego is, is scarcity. The ego is scarcity. Because the ego is saying, well, I deserve this and that other person doesn't deserve it as much. That means there is only so much praise to go around or only so much money to go around or only so much whatever resource to go around. Whereas if you took an abundance mindset and infinite praise, then the ego never comes into play. This philosophy can really play in, in all aspects of life. And once you realize that, hey, I'm oh I'm definitely an abundance thinker or gosh, I'm definitely a scarcity thinker here. How do you break the cycle is the key. And that was the big realization I had in 2009 after you know, having a, a couple months uh, pity party and I had to dust myself off and get back on the saddle, you know, I was able to, to break that cycle in a couple key key areas. Wow.
0: That was, that was super powerful and there's so much to take away from that. But one of the, the key points I took away from all of that is how you had two kind of different forces in your life with your mom and your dad. And for me, money is just energy because we attach the value to this paper dollar and when i was living in the scarcity mindset i was attaching too much value to the actual dollar not what the dollar could actually do for you for instance when you're a chiropractor and using your time and your energy to help heal people in exchange for a dollar then it allows you to then heal more people or whether it's your life aid product and fit aid product the more money you make you can then exchange that energy to then help even more people globally but where in the kind of your path you had these two forces where did you kind of like realize that at first you had a scarcity mindset but then you started going more abundant so you talk a little bit about your your struggles and I think we all learn more from struggles so run us through a little bit of like where you grew up and how you even became a chiropractor in the first place
1: yeah I grew up in, in Santa Cruz California kind of the hippie capital of the world uh, you know great place to to grow up and and live and you know, I was always very introverted, young kid. I was underdeveloped. My driver's license, when I turned 16 years old, I still have it. It says uh, five foot uh, one, 101 pounds. You know, <laughs> so wow. I, was, I was a little guy and, you know, pretty quiet for quite a bit of my life. And which is challenging, you know, with the kids are a lot nicer these days, I think, than they used to be, at least seeing from how my kids interact. I did have, you know, very much loving and supportive parents, even though now I realize that there was kind of different philosophies, you know, going on in our household. I was always very entrepreneurial, you know, starting out in, in high school and in college and just kind of hustling to pay for a car or make ends meet. I had a supplement business out of my dorm room. I had, you know, I used to cut hair for in college for people and, and uh, you know, really anyway. To help make a buck and live and I think you know part of getting out of my shell was my between my freshman and sophomore year in college I I had this idea yeah I think I want to be a stockbroker like that sounds like a cool job position to me job so I got an internship at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter and is the day one of the internship I show up here in Santa Cruz the guy literally hands me the phone book oh i said opens up he says your name's not aaron anymore it's chris all my interns are named chris because it's gender neutral start dialing for dollars for appointments for me and he gave me a script to follow and talk about a way to break out of an introverted shell like if you have anybody if you're introvert or or anybody your kids or anybody you're trying to break out of that shell make them do sales whether in person telesales whatever it's like the biggest cure because after a while you know you get indifference, rejection, you can refine that craft. So That was a necessary obstacle that I dreaded, that that I really needed in my life to help get me to that next uh, level. You know, as far as becoming a chiropractor, I worked for the government out of college, realized that the government's ass backwards and that was completely ridiculous, so I didn't last long there. I was always a personal trainer through college and, and really enjoyed that. So I enjoyed working with people and that profession uh, really aligned well with me for, for many years. I, and I thrived in that position. I mean, I, I made you know, a significant amount of money. I created a referral only practice. So solopreneurs out there, you know, I had 32 new patients on average every month for 10 years straight by referral. So it was a great Practice, you know from a time perspective from a reward perspective But the challenge was I still had those little demons of scarcity in the back of my head and in 2007 I'm looking around and I wasn't saving a ton of money you know, I was spending money on just stupid shit a little bit frivolous and and um, I had a lot of friends that I went to high school with that were making 15 bucks an hour but we're millionaires on paper because they were flipping properties and investing in, in properties. And I decided in 2007, which couldn't have been worse timing that I need to go all in on real estate. So I bought multiple properties, you know, all at once. And we all know what happened in 2008 and and, in 2009. So in 2009 I had months where, you know, I had, 50 grand a month coming in but seventy thousand a month going out uh and i couldn't last very long i didn't last very long with that and found myself in my early 30s very professional practice you know i should be on totally top of my game and i found myself completely broke and made the decision to go into uh, bankruptcy i just couldn't keep up with the, the payments on everything anymore and literally hit rock bottom i mean here i am a newer husband, new father—you know—I'm in the community, well-respected, and find myself completely broke. Worse than broke, really, because not only did I lose everything, but I still—you don't lose your student loans. So I still had 260 grand in student loans from undergrad and chiropractic college that was hanging over my head. And, and that's where I made the shift. That's where I made the shift because you can only have a pity party for so long, you know. And if you're driven, you dust yourself off. And in retrospect, I realized that I needed that, like that, just like yeah. when I got handed that phone book and, and had to dial for dollars, I needed that lesson. It taught me invaluable things that carry me through. today. It taught me humility, which I completely lack. It taught me, you know, uh, financial respect and, and just, uh, and and to be a little bit more frugal and and appreciate what you have and not longing for what you don't have. And all of those lessons were necessary from that major obstacle. But I started changing two areas in the cycle and I think this this can be helpful for the audience. I mentioned earlier, beliefs, thoughts, words, actions over time, results, beliefs, right? This cycle, this cycle, and everyone should write that down so they can examine it. There's two areas you can, interject in that cycle to change that spiral from a negative spiral to a positive cycle you can't change your belief system because that was given to you from zero to seven or it's only manipulated based on on results you're getting it's very difficult to change your thoughts you can't just start thinking oh things are going to be great and blah 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 that doesn't last very long what you can change is two areas you can change your words what's coming out of your mouth And you can change your actions so even if you don't believe you don't feel like either your the repetitive thoughts of your mind are still you know negative and debbie downer and scarcity you make a choice on how you're communicating with the world right you make a choice when someone says hey how's your day going today oh it's fantastic or oh man it's shitty i just am in bankruptcy and you know blah 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 right you choose the words that come out of your mouth you also choose your actions. You choose your actions. You know, do you sit on the couch and mope and eat ice cream and, and say, woe is me? Or do you get out and take massive action? So these are two areas of the cycle that you can break that negative cycle. And that's the decision I made. I said, you know what? I'm gonna start communicating in complete abundance and I'm gonna take massive action to get myself back on my feet. And by wow. doing that, over time you get different results right and those different results those more positive results start to change your belief system because you're seeing that in real time you're seeing it in action which change your thoughts you know and then when you have and then you even have more conviction behind your words and more conviction behind your actions and you just turn this thing around like boom instantly
0: yeah so much power in that and i relate to that so so well, going back to your statement of of being 100 pounds and in the lower five foot range, when I got into high school, I was 97 pounds. And I think that that brings up such a good trajectory for yourself because it, it put a chip on your shoulder, I think. And at, le- at least for me, and it's clear as day just like hearing your energy through this is amazing and how you have this abundance of you can kind of accomplish anything. And what I like to say is like control your controllables, which is you can only control really two things in your life, which is your energy and your work ethic. And it sounds like you kind of shifted both of those like completely. um, Whereas like you still had the work ethic when you're a chiropractor, but your energy was kind of off. And that's kind of like where I want to shift this a little bit into you shifted your energy from scarcity to abundance. How did that help you land on LifeAid and FitAid and everything that you're doing today because it's that's a massive pivot. And I think a lot of people out there, especially my audience, they're in one sector of their life. Like I was an engineer or they're in marketing and they want to do something completely different, but they have a scarcity fear-based mindset of like, I don't want to go back to square one, but I think you probably picked up a lot of things while you're a chiropractor that helped you kind of transition. So I'd love that you give a couple tips on that complete one year change, like what was that like in terms of not just your mentality, but actual practical advice that you can give towards completely shifting your lifestyle?
1: Yeah, great question. And everything that I did as a chiropractor, especially if you're in a service-based business, there's one metric in in a service-based business that tells me the health of your business. How many referrals do you get? If you're getting a ton of referrals, if the majority of your new business is by referral, you are doing a great job, even if you're not even conscious of it. If you start looking at the whole customer life cycle, all the touch points, the results people get, the communication, the nurturing, that all equals referrals. If you're not getting referrals, then you've got a lot of challenges. So what I learned as a solopreneur and learned in a customer-facing, results-based business, a hundred percent of that translated to a a much larger scalable business at life aid i want to touch on something you, you mentioned too you know so many people and i think it's very relevant right now are focused on their circle of concern oh my god the news says we're all gonna die of covid or blah 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 and you know everything's on lockdown this is circle of concern what we need to focus on and what's much more productive is to focus on our circle of influence, okay? So if you draw two circles on a piece of paper and overlap them, that that overla- overlapping area is where we look at our circle of concern, global warming, COVID, whatever it may be, and what can we actually do that will have an impact on our own lives? That's our circle of influence. And that's what we need to be focusing on because the circle of concern can get us paralyzed. Like, there's nothing I can do, right? There's nothing I can do. But if we focus on our circle of influence, we start to see massive results and massive change. So I made some major pivots, like I disconnected the television. The news is not serving me at all. It hasn't served me and I, we haven't looked at it for 17 years, okay? Um, I started controlling my inputs because we've all heard like garbage in, garbage out. So what are the inputs in my mind I started changing my morning routine. I know that my, my daily trajectory adds up to a weekly trajectory, a monthly trajectory, a yearly trajectory. I want that trajectory going in a massively positive direction. So dialing in, studying, what does morning routine look like? Dialing in my morning routine, which I stick to and has continued to evolve over the last 10 plus years. All of these, you know, little things is all about, you know, taking massive action on what I can control and watching the results over time. And it's uh, magical to, to watch, you know, it plays out in real time.
0: Yeah, that's such compound interest. It's just how can you control the little things that you're doing in your life to lead to the bigger things? And clearly life aid has become a really big thing, but it didn't start that way. So when you pivoted from chiropractic into it, what were some of those early struggles? Because if it was made in 2011, we're coming out of the recession. Right now, we're also, we'll get into this later, into an, a period of time where it's, it's crunching a lot of businesses, but you were rolling off that recession and then you got into LifeAid. Run us through, like how did, how did that idea even come about?
1: Yeah, I mean, my business partner, Orion, and I met in 2009 in a CrossFit gym, and we were both entrepreneurial, both solopreneurs, and constantly spitballing different ideas off of each other, and this is one that, that stuck. You know, we we knew the beverage industry had gotten a free pass for poisoning our kids for over 100 years with sugar water and artificial sweeteners and, you know, all this Uh, lack of transparency and labeling, two servings per container, et cetera, et cetera. So we knew that there was opportunity for a lifestyle brand that was clean and functional and low to no sugar with with none of the artificial garbage in there. And uh, so it was really out of ignorance and passion that LifeAid was born. But making that transition, kind of going back to your, your previous question, look, if you're in your early 20s or teens or early 20s, you're not married, you don't have any kids, It's to push the chips all in. Like push them in and if it doesn't work out, you're gonna learn a lot from it and push them in again and push them in again. The best schooling you could possibly get is by doing, right, is by being in the trenches. When I pushed on LifeAid, I had just come out of the, the experience that, that I mentioned in, in 2009. I was just starting to, you know, really rebuild and starting to put a little bit of money away again. Had a wife, bought our property here off the grid. I was living in a 400 square foot trailer. Things were were lean, and decided, and with her support, thankfully, you know, to push on this thing. Probably way too early. So for those of you that have a a professional career out there and you know responsibilities and family, my piece of advice is at some point in time for your entrepreneurial endeavor to be successful you have to push all in you have to burn the ships of the shore there's no other way but make sure that you are thinking accurately before you do so thinking accurately so you have some traction some proof of concept you're actually selling your widgets on amazon you're selling them direct to, to consumer people are buying your information product whatever it is make sure that you're thinking accurately because one piece of inaccurate thinking can sink the whole ship there has to be a hundred items that all line up perfectly to be a successful entrepreneur and one of those out of alignment one of those that we're not thinking accurately about can literally sink the ship so just make sure like if if you got a lot of you know dependence Upon you and your income earning ability, that before you burn those chips that you're thinking accurately and you have some proof of concept that you can scale.
0: Yeah, that's that's super powerful, and I love how you brought up your family and your wife. What was her role early on in this? Because I'm about to be on my two year wedding anniversary, and my wife, we're starting her little entrepreneurial journey, and we're both ex engineers. She went the MBA path. I got the school of hard knocks, and she got. A professional degree and we're trying to pull her into this. So we're very much entwined into like what's going on, but I'm not going to lie. It was super, super stressful on our relationship when I jumped uh, out of my full-time job into entrepreneurship, because she wasn't really understanding of how you do have to go all in or it's not going to work. And I was super involved and I was listening to one of your other podcasts and how you were talking about in the beginning when you had uh, your kids, you weren't always there. And like something that I've done is like, I want to go all in right now so that I can be there in the future if we're blessed with children. But what were those like discussions like with your family during this time? Because I think that's another huge fear of our audiences. They're either they have a relationship or they have kids or whatever. And I think you can speak so much to like, what your mindset was even then of what type of communication were you having with your wife or significant other that could be valuable for someone else
1: yeah one of, one of the concepts that that i teach is the you know the atm of life you know that we go to the atm machine to to get money out life is an atm that will continue to pay us dividends if we follow the acronym alignment trajectory momentum atm starting with alignment alignment starts with yourself personally. You know, what are you doing when no one else is looking? What if everything you did showed up on the front page of the New York Times? Would you be okay with that? That's called personal alignment. The next step of alignment is with your significant other, spouse, business partner, okay? You have to be in alignment with them. I couldn't even imagine if I'm like, "Hey, honey, you know, got this life aid idea and, you know, uh, we really I I think it's the right time and let's get out of the Cairo biz and go all in here. And she's like, are you kidding me? You just had this idea two years ago that you know, real estate was a good idea. Look where that landed us. We're finally back on our feet. You know, we're making you know, good money. We're finally putting a little savings together. And now you wanna do this? Are you insane? Like imagine if I was just getting negativity from that, like it would not have worked. So you have to be in alignment with those that matter most. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be in alignment with everybody. I mean, you might have your Debbie Downer sister telling you that's never going to work or, you know, some uncle or whatever. You know, you're not going to be in alignment with everybody. You need to be in alignment with those that matter. And the people that you're living with, those are the ones that matter. So making sure they're completely on board on the vision of where we're going and what this thing's going to look like and and pushing all in is key. Because the last thing you want is to have friction there. You push all in. They are against it. And then what are they thinking? Abracadabra. They're sabotaging you uh, with their thoughts and words in real time. And then as soon as you have a hiccup or something happens, see, I told you so, right? And, and, and it's going to destroy the relationship. So you have to be in alignment with yourself and then, and then with your spouse.
0: Yeah. And something you said earlier about burning the bridges relates so much to this. Because imagine like you burn the bridges, you're in a war and the person next to you just like gives up. And it's just like now you're you're half as strong going through everything. So I love how you broke that down. So thank you for sharing that. But I'd love to, you talked about traction. And I think a lot of people, obviously, in your, if you're in the entrepreneurial space, you understand what traction is and how to kind of go about getting your initial traction. But in the corporate world, it wasn't necessarily a term that I ever heard. So how did you go out and get the initial traction with LifeAid to either raise money or get your first sales. What, what did that look like? And what was going through your head to get to that step of gaining that initial traction?
1: Yeah, our very initial traction and in our first product we launched was Golf Raid, was going out and I went to our first golf course and talked to the food and beverage manager, pitched them on the product. My pitch was fairly horrible, but uh, they said, yes, they're going to bring us in, start selling it. And we did that same thing to seven golf courses, seven. And then we, every single day, were out at those golf courses, demoing the heck out of it, pouring people samples, blah, 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 and just turning sales, turning sales. So we had great sales at these seven golf courses because we were overly invested in them. And then we took that story and said, look, we did this with seven. We could do that with all however many thousands of golf courses are out there. And that's when we, where we would pitch investors based on just a little bit of initial traction, but it is key that you have to establish traction and this is a part of the accurate thinking and you know how it ties into momentum. Getting that initial traction is step one to make sure that you're thinking accurately about demand for your product or service in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, I love that. And so you, you obviously, you were out there hustling, you were slinging, you, you understood what you had to do Uh, to kind of get this thing off the ground. Did you have any mentors at the time or what were some of the ways that you were learning? Obviously, when you're a chiropractor, like you're in your office and you have, you're getting these referrals and people are coming into you. uh, But now you have this product where you have to go out and about and you basically have to sell not only yourself, but this product that nobody knows about. Did you have anybody mentoring you along the way or taking courses or what did that look like?
1: Yeah. So ton of podcasts. I just started, and this is kind of early in the podcast days. I just started Like I said, I eliminated all news and media and just started consuming podcasts. I consumed every marketing podcast you could. Entrepreneurship, business podcasts, just really soaking everything in. I started reading 50 books a year, just consuming, 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 like really sharpening and refining my skill set. Some people that, you know, I would look to, you know, my dad was always a great resource and, and supportive. A good friend and current mentor uh, of mine who's a brilliant marketer, Ben Altadonna, bouncing ideas off of him. And he really helped us with our direct response, marketing and copy. And then people that I either have met and kind of looked to as mentors and how to show up in the world, one of which who passed a few years ago, I got to spend 15 minutes with uh, back in 1996, which is uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, just an amazing human being and, and talk about an abundance mindset and, and being complete and totally present at pretty much all times then you know entrepreneurs looking at entrepreneurs like Richard Branson and you know what a brilliant master of branding and and so the, you know different influences and, and who you look up to and the type of input and material you're consuming on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I love that. And Mr. Rogers really, man, I haven't heard that name in
1: forever <laughs> going back into the nineties, growing up, watching that. And you should watch the uh, new Tom Hanks movie on uh, Mr. Rogers. He, he, Tom Hanks nailed the role, but uh, what a incredible human being that he was.
0: I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Thank you for that. And so throughout you're, obviously you're on go- golf courses and what were you thinking? Like, because once you start gaining some traction, I think a lot of entrepreneurs start getting shiny object syndrome of like, we could do this and then we could do that. And, but yeah. it seems like you were very targeted in, in certain niches and what you were doing. Um, what was next after the golf, the golf raid, like, how did you stumble upon oh, CrossFit and Spartan races and things like that?
1: Oh, we got shiny object syndrome. It, it about sunk us. You know, we, <laughs> we really struggled for, we really struggled for a couple of years because we were chasing shiny objects from different quote unquote opportunities that would present to really launching three products back to back to back. Uh, they all had separate websites. They all had separate social media accounts. So we launched fit aid golf Raid and party aid, basically uh, all on top of each other, different communities. And, and it was stretching us way too thin. We were blowing through all our money with really no traction and no results. And it wasn't until a brilliant marketer, Dean Jackson, for anyone who wants to check him out and follow him, mentioned to me at a, a mastermind, he's like, look, you guys need to choose a single target market and then go super deep in that, crush it, be successful, and then move to your other target market. Right now you have three target markets and you're spread all over the place. You know, you've got the festival community, with you've got the golf community, and you've got this fitness community. So we started looking at the business and even though Golf Raid was bringing in the majority of the revenue at the time, the trajectory of FitAid specifically in the CrossFit channel was going through the roof. So we decided to pivot and pushed all in with FitAid and CrossFit and that's what got us our initial traction and got us on the positive trajectory that you know, we still hold dear today.
0: Yeah. And you're, you're the official sponsor today, right?
1: We are. Yeah, we that,
0: are. that's amazing and yep. yeah I feel like it's one of those things where a lot of people once they start having ideas and they see a little bit of traction they start getting that momentum and that confidence but it's awesome to hear you had kind of some mentors and people along the way that were that were guiding you in the right direction does life aid and fit look like today so one of my personal questions I guess is you went from a chiropractor and obviously like you're really really good at what you're doing you're getting these referrals but when you grow a bigger company, it's less about how good you are and more about like how good you can make other people. So what was that transition like for you of like, okay, now you're not just relying on like your skills as as a chiropractor, but now you're trying to build teams and build people up and build a brand. What was that experience like for you?
1: yeah being a good solopreneur does not mean you're a good manager and doesn't mean you can hire the right people or grow a team so that's its own skill set that needs to be studied and refined with time but bringing on the right people is critical because there comes a breaking point in every entrepreneur's journey where it's like okay everything's bursting at the seams and you're doing everything from marketing and sales product development to taking out the trash And you can't there's only so many hours in a day and and your certain things start to slip so you have to hire people this is a critical juncture because the temptation is the first resume that looks half decent that you look like boom they're hired and that could be the biggest mistake people make right the biggest mistake because your brand is not just the product and service you're putting out in the world the brand is all the people behind that and how those people interact with other people so being very selective about bringing on the right people that are the right type of human beings that are the right cultural fit is key because anybody can have the skill set or anybody skill i think about any skill set can be taught you know any skill set can be taught but having the right type of human being on the team is what it's all about and that's what's going to carry you forward
0: yeah, I love that. And it's like, what are the core values of those people? So that's kind of like stems right into my next question of like, what are the core values of LifeAid and FitAid? What do you guys, what's your like motto? What do you stand for? And who are the right people? Not only as if they wanted to apply for you guys, but also like as a consumer. So for the listeners that know me, they know that I have a gut issue and that I loved that their product is all natural, no fake sweeteners or sugars and stuff like that. And I don't get sick from it. And it gives me that extra edge, not only in recovery, but if I need a little bit of a, a boost, uh, that's how I got hooked on it. And, and not going to lie, the first one I tried was a life aid because it says thrive on it. And our brand is obviously has thrive in it. Right? Yeah. But yeah, so it connected me immediately. And I love the recovery RX zero sugar version. I uh, highly recommend that. But what are your core values? Like what, who do you try to attract?
1: We don't try to attract. We do attract people that I would want to hang out with, even if we didn't have a work relationship. People that if I was a little fly on the wall and you know, the, I was watching them interact with other people in, the, in a service industry or at a restaurant, that they're respectful, that they're grateful, that they say please and thank you, that they do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. Right, there's certain DNA of the people at Life Aid that come into it by virtue of our hiring process that we know are good human beings. That is, first and foremost, the most important thing. You know, are you attracting quality human beings? Because again, anything else can be taught.
0: I love that. Good human beings make good teams, make good products and services. You guys hit that to the T. But I love to switch this up um, as we get towards wrapping up into more of like the present moment and future for your, not only yourself but LifeAid. And where's LifeAid at today? What 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 are you guys up to? And I know with the coronavirus, things are changing a little bit. But how have you guys handled
1: that? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've always been heads down focused on execution we take the attitude the approach that not to avoid obstacles but the obstacle is the way as ryan halliday would say and with every obstacle is opportunities for massive growth so when this thing hit we were excited like okay this is going to be a major challenge here but we know we're going to come out better on the other end of this so you know our gym business uh, basically went to nil which is still a significant part of our revenue So we created a program like how can we support our gym partners through this tough time, which we're donating tens of thousands of dollars. How do we support hospitals and frontline workers, which we've donated? It'll be over 100 pallets when this whole thing's said and done to our frontline workers. And then how do we really put more of an emphasis on direct-to-consumer and Amazon, which are thriving during these challenging times? So that's what we've done. We've made just real-time pivots in the business and focused on where we can still win.
0: Hell yeah. Adapt and, and pivot into the areas that are winning and help those that might be struggling a little bit. I love that. And that goes right into, okay, so this is obviously going to end the, the COVID's going to end. Hopefully time's going to get back to a new normal, not necessarily what we used to be at, but what is your vision for where Life Aid is going to go? Maybe three years, five years, 10 years down the line. Is there anything that's inspiring you right now? The best entrepreneurs, like, you've, you've been super creative over the years. We innovate in in times that are tough. Like you, you went through that recession and then this idea comes up. And do you yep. see yourself like a lifelong life aid or do you have your own ideas or what does that look like for how you're driving this shit forward?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, the, I think the future is bright for life aid and my right. vision for the future is that, we changed the trajectory of beverages forever more moving forward i mentioned earlier you know the, the big beverage companies have gotten a free pass for poisoning our kids for over 100 years so we're bringing the light low to no sugar we're bringing the light the negative effects of artificial sweeteners we're bringing the light this non-transparency in labeling where people put two servings per container when everyone knows you drink the whole thing We're bringing the light. BPA-free cans are way better for the environment than single-use plastic. Uh, We're bringing the light, you know, functionality and demanding more and having efficacious ingredients, not just pixie dust sprinkled in as a marketing ploy, right? So I believe that in the future, all major beverage brands are going to be forced due to consumer demand from companies like ourselves to shift how they're looking at things and the type of products they're putting out. And we're going to continue to see this movement towards better for you, cleaner, no artificials, you know, low to no sugar. And this movement is is very much here to stay. Yeah.
0: I love that. Can you, can you please get into every other industry and tell everybody else what you just said? We need to blast that from the towers. Um, it's something that connected me with you and and the brand and how you're about spearheading. What is, what is right? Not just you start with yourself and, and your own core values, and then you put that through your product. But kind of the last question I'd love to ask before wrapping up is who is Aaron outside of business and his passion, obviously, um, for entrepreneurship, what do you like to do? What are your hobbies? And, and, kind of run us through like when you're not thinking about life aid what is going on in that in that mind
1: my goal is to bring completely together my public and professional persona and, and what's really going on like that gap that exists with people creates stress so minimizing that gap and being my authentic self uh, all the time is what i enjoy Look, I like to get out and get dirty. I mean, I got five and a half acres off the grid here in Santa Cruz. I got my solar panels, my well, you know, I'm out in the dirt working on projects. Um, I love to, you know, camp and spend time with the family and, and uh, enjoy life. I love good wine. Um, I love the sunshine and uh, I love to water ski, snow ski. Uh, and stay active and, and really connect with friends. I just started picking up DJing, which has been a major positive for me during this COVID thing. I'm getting pretty good. And now I'm tied into all of our friends that are DJs and sharing music. And so it's been, you know, it's been quite a ride. Life is is amazing. I'm just blessed to, to be able to live during this time.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I know that plays a huge part into everything else that you're, you're doing in your work life. And it's something that I try to showcase the people. And that's how this brand kind of started because I, I didn't like having to go into a job and put a suit and tie on and be a completely different person than I, what I was around my friends and my family and everything like that. And that gave me one last question that I want to ask because I hope to be a father one day. And this is more of a personal question of how much are you impacting your, your kids through all this? Because I, I heard on one of your podcasts, some of the statements that you do with them. And I think that would be really powerful for our listeners? Because like, that's something that I didn't necessarily have growing up. It wasn't a fault of my parents. They they were great, but it is something that I want to instill in, in my kids one day is some of these beliefs that you're sharing. How, how do you go about doing that on a daily basis?
1: Yeah. And I might be a little more hypersensitive to it because for the first few years, you know, my kids, uh, lives, I was still in scarcity mindset and, you know, went through the BK and, uh, and then, you know, when life had first started, I wasn't present uh, enough because I was, had so much fear of failing again that I was like going all in on this. So I'm like vigilant now, like, okay, if I did any negative programming early on, I really want to reverse that. So, you know, my kids are, are very aware of, you know, using the affirmative, eliminating soft talk, using affirmations, you know, uh, with my son, I go over when I take him to school, you know, what? three things that he's grateful for. What will help make his day great? One, self-affirmation. We, we leave the car every day when he hops out to go to school. Today is a fabulous day filled with opportunity and potential, we say together in unison. Like, planting these little seeds and, and having them aware and being very critical in how they see the world and not just buying whatever their friends are telling them or whatever they're reading in the newspaper or on the internet or seeing on the news. like. We have to take a more critical approach, uh, because as we've seen, you know, fear and everything can just make us sacrifice all of our civil liberties uh, really quickly based on false data. And, uh, you know, it's a slippery slope. So I think, you know, the more we can instill critical thinking in our kids, abundance mindset, the importance as an example of, you know, connecting with other people and and building relationships, that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I just want to thank you for inspiring other people to do the same and just hopping on the podcast and chat with me here today. While you're building your dreams, uh, I'm out here trying to build mine and you now have added to that journey. And I just want to thank you from the the bottom of my heart uh, for doing that and everything that you're doing. Within your you're community, you're not
1: trying, CJ. You're not trying. <laughs> I'm, you doing. Are. You're doing. I'm doing. You're doing. You're doing. You're doing. Exactly. It.
0: Yeah, I love that because I call people out on that and the same thing. Um, so thank you for that. And yeah, just keep keep doing what you're doing and know that there's people out there that are being impacted, such as myself. And I'm I'm using that energy to go out and impact other people. But something I always do at the end is I love connecting people and how can if somebody listened to this and it hit home with them. How can they either follow you or engage with you? What is the best action for them to take?
1: Yeah, just my name, Aaron Hind, H-I-N-D-E, on all social platforms, most active on Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. And if you want to check out the brand, lifeaidbevco.com or at fit Aid at lifeaid on Instagram. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much for that. And before we get going, is there any last uh, parting words you have for the audience?
1: Part with this is a tense time, you know, people have died, people have been, you know, are being let go. Breathe this, take a deep breath. This too will pass. There are opportunities. Now the, the, the wealth doesn't disappear. It transfers. Okay. So how can you be in a position to have some of that transfer come your direction? How can you continue to refine your, skill set, hone your skills. If you don't have money, you typically have time. So take advantage of that time. Don't just waste it and have other people and media dictate the course of your day. Really be intentional about how you're spending your time, what you're feeding your mind with. Stand firm and stand guard at the gates of your mind and don't let the garbage in. Be very intentional about what comes in and it will start to change your thoughts, words, actions, and results over time.
0: Wow. Speaking power from the beginning of this episode to the end. I can't wait to hear this afterwards. And I'm leaving this super inspired and motivated to just keep on that path and keep doing as you said. And again, uh, thank you, Dr. Aaron Hine, for for hopping on the, the Thrive on Life podcast. Until next time, guys, this is CJ Finley. Thrive on.